You are listening to the Simple Living Made Simple podcast. My name is Stephanie, and I'm a wife, mother of four, and the creator of the blog Simple Living Made Simple, formerly Winging It on the Homestead. I am far from an expert, but I am learning and growing and figuring the simple living self-sufficiency thing out as I go. I love to help encourage modern mothers to incorporate simple living and self-sufficiency skills and knowledge into their busy lives. Join me this season as I interview homesteading experts on a variety of timely and important topics and share with you my appreciation for creating a homemade and homegrown life through gardening, food preservation, cooking from scratch, making your own products, all while keeping it all practical, intentional, and realistic. You're listening to the Simple Living Made Simple podcast. In this episode, I get to sit down and speak with Maggie Stuckey, who is a best-selling author and expert in the art of growing good things to eat in containers. For more than 20 years, Maggie has been enjoying vegetables, herbs, and edible flowers grown in her own container garden and inspiring others to transform even the tiniest spaces into vibrant personal food waste. She has a new book coming out on sale on 221 called The Container Victory Garden. She shares practical and comprehensive tips and techniques for container gardening alongside with the rich history of the original wartime victory gardens, which date back to 1917. I get to sit down with Maggie and talk all about enjoying a container garden of vegetable, herbs, and edible flowers, as well as the inspirational history of wartime victory gardens and their legacy for today's new gardeners. This is a very inspirational and exciting episode, and I'm so excited to have the opportunity to speak with her. So I hope you find this episode helpful, and let's get started. guys, welcome back to the Simple Living Made Simple podcast. I am so excited today because I have an expert gardener on. We are on like the pre- precipice of gardening season. At least that's where I'm at. We are recording this. It's mid-February and I am ready to get in the garden. So I'm so excited to have Maggie Stuckey here, who is an expert gardener. And she is just releasing a book called The Container Victory Garden, A Beginner's Guide to Growing your own groceries. And I'm so excited to talk with her about that today. So thank you so much for joining me, Maggie. Oh my goodness. Thank you for inviting me. I've been looking forward to it. So um, can you tell me just a little bit about yourself? I mean, obviously you're super experienced in gardening and have been doing it for many years. So can you just kind of tell me what your gardening journey looks like? I certainly can. Um, I've lived in, in the Pacific Northwest, the beautiful state of Oregon for a long time, but I was born and raised in the South. South Carolina, to be precise. Um, both my parents uh, grew up in farm country where everybody had a vegetable garden. They, they didn't even think twice about it. That's just what you did, you know. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was what you fed your family with all summer long. And then at the end of summer, you had this marathon canning session to carry you through the winter. And mm-hmm. usually there was stuff left over to share with people who needed it. So I spent a lot of time, and even by the time I came along, we were living in town, but I spent a lot of time on the farms in the summertime when it's school vacation and, and tagged along behind my grandmother and sort of absorbed by osmosis, you know, the way kids learn mm-hmm. that the whole reason about a the whole reason about a garden is to grow food. Garden equals food. Mm-hmm. Um 
my life took me to big cities and apartments, and I didn't have a garden space. But as soon as I moved to Oregon, I lived in a house with a backyard, and I knew exactly what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I've been doing it ever since. Now, I moved into, mm, I'm going to say maybe 20 years ago, I moved into this lovely old apartment building. It was gracious and gorgeous with beautiful, um, careful woodworking that you would not see in brand new buildings, you know. Right. It's gorgeous in every way, except I don't have any garden space. I got a little concrete patio about the size of a bandana. Mm -hmm. And I figured if I wanted to continue growing the vegetables, which is where my heart is, I would need to do it in containers, which I knew squat about at the time. Mm -hmm. So I went to the library, which is what I always do when I need to learn something, you know, mm -hmm. right. thinking there surely must be a book about this. And there wasn't. Mm -hmm. So I decided to write one. I mean, I make my living as a writer. So I'm always kind of looking around for the next idea. And sometimes they just hit me in the face like this. Yeah. And uh, I started a several years process of trial and error because I was teaching myself and um, eventually figured out some kind of basic principles of how to think about what to grow in a container garden versus what you can do if you have acres and acres mm -hmm. and um, and wrote one book years ago that is unfortunately now just just out of print mm -hmm. and 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 then we came to 2020 with this terrible, terrible anxiety we all had about looking for ways that we didn't have to go outside the house. We didn't want to be around people. And that includes grocery shopping. And a lot of people decided that the solution to that was to grow groceries themselves. Yeah. And um, including people who really didn't know how to do it and didn't have a lot of guidance directed towards beginners you know I I, I write I, I consider myself a garden writer but I think we've done a disservice to beginning gardeners sometime we assume that they know they know what such and such a term means and they don't like wait hold on what the heck does that mean what is that all about you know what you just said yeah so I decided to do this book for beginners not only for those people, so that the time when they do it next year, it's going to have better luck, but mm -hmm. even experienced gardeners who have wonderful backyards, mm -hmm. um, the process for containers might be brand new to them, and they need a little bit of orientation of how to, how to shift your thinking just a tiny bit to make yeah. that work. So, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I love how uh, it's focused on gardener or beginner gardeners. You have lay the groundwork on everything they need to know to get started, but yet you really build on that throughout the book. And there's so much in there that even an experienced gardener can can get from it. So the book is called The Container Victory Garden, A Beginner's Guide to Growing Your Own Groceries. And I love this uh, for two reasons. But for the first is that I, I have always loved the idea and history of a victory garden. Um, can you tell me what that is? Tell me sure. a little bit about history. Yeah, um, I'm I'm kind of a history junkie myself. Um, but I, I always associated the idea of Victory Gardens with World War II. Mm -hmm. It turns out that the concept actually started in World War One, although it had a different name then. Yeah. The, the basic idea is 
if you if people grow, can be encouraged to grow a small garden of vegetables to feed their own family, then the commercial agricultural industry can convert some of their production line to producing food for military. The mm -hmm. exact same thing that all industries were doing, whatever consumer goods industry was, whatever they produced, they were encouraged to retool so that they some of what they do can be used for military purposes. Yeah. To support the war effort was the phrase you kept hearing all the time. It was encouraged back then, right? Yeah, yeah, it was. It was definitely encouraged. Um, and so in World War I, it worked pretty well. Mm -hmm. um, World War I, you might, might have come across this phrase, was came to be known as the war to end all wars. Mm -hmm. Well, mm -hmm. that didn't work because 20 years later, we were, we were in another world war and the same people who had really kind of encouraged the first movement were still around and realized that things were now much more um much more serious and the need was much more serious mm -hmm. so they got better organized and they um they went to the, the the idea is still the same encourage people to grow their own vegetables so that the commercial farms can convert some of their production to military usage. Right. Exactly how we're we going to make that happen better this time. Mm -hmm. So they went to local government, to governments from federal level all the way down and said, for example, to a county commission, how would you feel about taking one of your county parks and converting half of it to a garden so people could go there and grow their own vegetable? That's a good idea, they said. And they just went all throughout the country making that spiel. And then they went to industry. This, this group of people that I'm talking about, they're all from, they're all businessmen and, and said, you, you can see what's going on. What if you were to, for example, Mr. Manufacturer, cut out a slice of your parking lot and let your employees make a vegetable garden out of that space? Okay, they said we can do that, and they just went on and on and on with that. So they've got the they've got the space ready. Then they um, went to a, they put together a collection of um, writers and artists and radio producers and radio talent to produce to put together a big PR campaign so that people would know there's now these spaces available for gardens. And they just went around the country twisting arms and saying, you mm -hmm. gotta do this, you gotta do this, you gotta do this. Mm -hmm. And it, I'm, not, I'm not gonna say that cliche, but we all know what happened. It was remarkably successful. Mm -hmm. Millions and millions and millions of tons of produce were produced in people's backyard garden. And they would, people would go around and look for a vacant lot that wasn't being used. And, and on their own initiative, they would kind of track down who owned that lot and say, how, how about a garden for this little neighborhood? And it, it just exploded because it's such a, it's such a simple thing, but intensely rewarding in so many ways. And it's something everybody can understand. We right. don't all understand how to manufacture a tank but right. we all understand how to grow tomatoes and why it's important yeah. <laughs> to grow tomatoes, you know? Mm -hmm. just, 
it touched it touched everybody. You know? Yeah, and you got to think back then too, like when all this was going on, they didn't have time to really. I mean, obviously, people had knowledge of this and was bringing their expertise to, but to the you know to these gardens, but a lot of people probably didn't, or many people probably were just jumping in. So it, that kind of just shows you it's like it definitely can be done by anyone and, and with any kind of level of expertise or right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so then, um, when I started thinking about this book, I thought, wouldn't it be great if I could find some people who remember those gardens, who remember yeah. working in them? Yeah. And um, I did. I, I eventually found more than 50 people alive today who remember helping out in the gardens as children or yeah. remember their family members talking about them. Yeah. For various reasons, they didn't all fit into the book, but but the book has 20 stories from people all around the country who um, tell their story. Some of them are just funny anecdotes. Some of them are so funny, you laugh out loud. Some yeah. of them, are, a couple of them are heartbreaking. They're all, um, they all are very touching. Yeah. Uh, seeing that dramatic time in our nation's history, but seeing it through the eyes of a child, you know, mm-hmm. and, and what it meant to them. Right. Um, a lot of people concluded their story by t- talking about they've they've since then have gone back and talked to their parents about those days. Mm-hmm. And two comments came up all the time. People felt peaceful when they were working in the garden. Mm-hmm in times of incredible stress and fear and anxiety, working in the garden made them feel peaceful. Yeah. And particularly when it was a woman talking, they said some version of this. In the garden, I was watching plants grow. And I could feel growing within me a sense of hope that my husband was going to come home safe. Mm -hmm. It's just this tangent... Hope, hope gets tangible when you're talking about plants. And I mean, yeah. <laughs> gosh, I mean, I, I nearly started crying lots of times because it's right. such a, they're so simple, honest, genuine comments from people who actually live through it and know what it means to be able to step out your door and bring mm-hmm. in some food that you grew and you know it's healthy and you know it's safe and Tastes good. It's going to taste great. Yeah. It's so empowering just in so many ways of like being able to provide food with your hands. And it just. And and all of that stuff, generation after generation after generation, that minds, what what I saw talking to these people is that they pass that mindset on down to their mm-hmm. children and their children's children. So that whole way of thinking about a garden as a way to provide nourishment for your family. And I mean, not to get too corny about it, it also nourishes your soul. And mm-hmm. people, if they approach the gardening from that aspect, and it, it just means so much. Yeah. You know? Oh, I agree. And I love that aspect of the book. I love how you were able to weave in those historical components with the stories of people you interviewed. It really yeah. is a beautiful piece of work. Yeah. And I was actually able to sort of slot them in at uh, appropriate places. You know, if somebody was telling a funny story about tomatoes, I put that in with the tomatoes. (laughs) Yeah, it's really great. 
Um, and so the other reason that I really love this book as I've been looking at it and I'm, I definitely plan to um, be using it as a reference this year, going back and forth to it as I uh, get through the gardening season this year. Okay. Um, but it is all about container gardening and it really does allow you what, what container gardening does and how you lay it out so nicely in the book is that it makes it accessible for so many people. So can you right. tell me how it makes it accessible for people and what it allows for, you know, whether it's location or ability or anything like that? Well, remember, I started thinking about this particular type of gardening when I was in, I was in, that was my, my story was I, mm-hmm. I needed to find a way to grow because I didn't have any garden space. So the most common reason that people need, that people turn towards container gardening is they have no other choice. They don't have a backyard or a front yard or any place, any, any piece of dirt <laughs> to turn mm-hmm. into a garden. Right. And that's everybody who lives in apartments or condominiums or, you know, any of those types of buildings, which more and more. Uh, people of the in their 20s and 30s that's their preferred way of living Mm -hmm. and they also are very interested in in organic food and growing healthy stuff to feed their babies when the babies come along Mm -hmm. Um, but since I've been fiddling around with this particular topic for so many years I've realized there's other reasons too why container gardening makes sense for one thing what if you live on a houseboat? Now, Portland, where I live, is um, sited at the confluence of two major rivers. We have lots of marinas of houseboat neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. So you don't have a backyard, you have a river. Most of the boats have nice decks around them. Any, mm-hmm. but, but what if you what if you have to live your life in a wheelchair? Mm-hmm. What if you are um at a, at a point in your life when your your physical mobility is not what it once was, and the whole idea of kind of getting down on your hands and knees to work in a garden plot doesn't seem very appealing or possible, mm-hmm. or you just simply don't want to do that anymore. Um, and when you add up all those, along with all the countries, the nation's apartment dwellers, there's lots and lots of people. And then there's one more thing. Sometimes people do have a backyard. Mm-hmm. I hate them if they do. You know, I'm really jealous. Mm-hmm. But they have a lot. It's, it's almost all shade. And mm-hmm. as you well know, most of the vegetables that we like to have in our garden need full sun. Yeah. So in a, in a container, even if you have this big backyard, you, the, <laughs> the cool thing about a container garden is you can pick up your garden and yeah. move it. From mm-hmm. here to there, wherever the sun pattern has mm-hmm. changed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's a really great way to get started too. If it's your first year and you're just not comfortable and you're not ready yeah. to commit yeah. to a garden bed and location, you can test things right. out. Right. Yeah. Um, I think that having container garden is a way to just allow kind of like entryway for so many people to get just their feet wet with gardening. In right. Right. So, yeah. That's awesome. And this book covers so much. Like you talk about, you start from like the very beginning, you discuss how to plan and set up a container garden, like location and materials to choose. And then you kind of go into like different plants and how you can grow them strategically in your container garden. What are some of your favorite things to grow? 
My personal favorites? Yeah. Um, well, I'm madly in love with Swiss chard because it's okay. so freaking beautiful. <laughs> I mean, there, there are, pl- I told you, I, I, I grew up in the South and I still visit relatives every once in a while. And I have seen places that grow it as an ornamental along mm-hmm. a, a border plant um, on the walkway that goes into the front of an office building where you would usually see roses or something, they've grown Swiss chard because it's so bright and colorful and gorgeous. Yeah. Um, I also I also love it because there's this wonderful story about how it came to be developed in, in this mm-hmm. world. And I love those kinds of stories. Um, I'm very fond of an Asian green called Mizuna, okay. which has kind of jaggedy edges. And um, when you look, da- it grows in a rosette shape. And when you look down on it from up above, it makes this very beautiful um posies almost like a flower oh, pose yeah. except it's all green and mm-hmm. it's no it's no harder to grow that than just regular lettuce and you and you but what you have is something that you can't normally find in the supermarket which okay. is one thing I love to encourage people to think about um mm-hmm. the, the cool thing about having your your vegetables right outside the back door is you can try out some stuff that normally, if you, if you could even find it in a specialty food market, you'd pay a pretty penny for. Mm-hmm. Um, but but there it is, and it's, it's and you can have it whenever the mood strikes you. Yeah, um, I like. I I actually enjoy all of those Asian greens, like baby bok choy. Mm-hmm. My neighborhood supermarket is a Safeway. You think Safeway could have anything in the dang world, but they <laughs> the produce guy there cannot get in baby bok choy. Well, wow. which is fine with me because I grow it, you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, stuff like that. That's awesome. Yeah, I I really like to try and um add some strange things or add, add things that you wouldn't normally um try. I just like to try things out. So that's yeah. really cool. Those are some good. And ideas. I I I don't have young children in my life on a regular basis, mm-hmm. but I have nieces and nephews and now a grand nephew. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's fun to encourage people to grow things that kids like. Mm-hmm. Like I would never tell container gardeners to grow those regular standard orange carrots that, you know, they're right. 12 inches long. Because it takes too long for them to get that length, you know. And besides, mm-hmm. they're in the supermarket every day of the year. Right. But there are little round carrots about the size of a, not even as big as a ping pong ball when they're completely ready. Mm-hmm. And if, when you pull that up and offer it to a little kid, they just giggle all day long. <laughs> and it is just so much fun to do stuff yeah. like that. You know? That's cool. Um, and that's how I think you do a good job in the book talking about how to strategically plant things. Because um, you do a whole section about like good and bad ratios for your container garden and just kind of speak on how that how you show how strategically you can plant. Can you tell me a little bit about what that is? Okay, um, but you start with a bit, start with this basic fact. Mm-hmm. If you grow your your vegetable garden in containers, and that is your only way to grow vegetables, you have, by definition, very limited space. That's a given. Mm-hmm. You've got just a little bit of space to work with, so you have to be smart about how you use it to get the most use out of it. One way to do that is this concept that I've christened ratio. 
And that refers to choosing plants that give you a favorable ratio between the amount of stuff you get to eat from the plant in relation to the overall size of the plant that it needs to get to produce that stuff. Yeah. So for instance, um, if you wanted to grow full-size eggplant, you will get two, in, in most container gardens, you will get, because it takes a long time for them to grow that big, you'll get two or three eggplants, but you the plant has to get to a mature size before it actually starts producing. And in the meantime, you've used up all your space, yeah. which you could be doing something else with. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the, <laughs> the, the ratio, the bad ratio that I talk about all the time, and this is a true story. Mm-hmm. I, got, I got an email a few years ago from a woman who said, asked me if she could grow cabbage in a container. Mm-hmm. Now, Obviously, she never seen cabbage growing in a garden. I mean, they're huge. They're huge. Yeah, the ones the ones we see in the supermarket have had all these outer leaves trimmed off. Yeah. So even at that, it's the size of a bowling ball. You know, mm-hmm. it will take a small cabbage transplant an entire season to get to the size of that you would recognize as a carrot, and. In that entire growing season, it would make one cabbage, just one. So you've devoted a complete container to growing one cabbage, which you can get in the grocery store for six cents a pound all year long. How about use that space for three or four of the the gorgeous new um, leafy greens, the varieties that are coming out that are beautiful to look at, and mm-hmm. fun to cook with and fun to show off and fun to pet and yeah you, you, get, you get way more <laughs> use out of it yeah and I think that there's just some really good concepts even for any well for any kind of gardening um yeah. for raised beds or anything is just how to like utilize your space so you do a good job of covering all that um in in the book because I know I, I agree broccoli and cabbage take up so much space and you're only getting one yeah, maybe a small yeah. one at the end, maybe. Right, but, <laughs> and that's if your uh, cabbage worms haven't eaten them yet. And yeah, there you go. There you go. Where, yeah, we <laughs> struggle with this for sure. So I think I've I've warded off a uh, cabbage and broccoli for the time being. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so as I was reading this book, I was definitely getting exp- inspired and encouraged. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah, I found it so um, encouraging because even though I do have a a garden, an in-ground garden and some raised beds. And like I said, in-ground growing space, I realized that I could just utilize so much more of my available space in my property by incorporating containers um, in just different pockets of my property and all those yeah. things. So yeah. Yeah. It, it it's just really kind of opened up the floodgates of opportunity. Um for our property. And I'm sure that so many others would see that as well. So could you tell me a little bit about how I could determine what to grow in containers versus what I should put in raised beds or in the ground? Is there some kind of um, that? So if you're, if you have plant X in mind, the question is, does, does it work best in containers or does it work best in the ground? Um, 
if you are, and clearly you are, a dedicated gardener who pay attention all the time, mm-hmm. almost everything that you grow in a genuine garden and in a dirt garden, mm-hmm. I'm going to call right. it dirt, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, you can also grow in a container with yeah. a couple of exceptions. Mm-hmm. You can't grow corn in a container. I don't care what anybody says. You just, you you, you can't. I mean, think how big the planet, besides which, corn is wind pollinated, which is why farmers grow them so tightly together so that no matter which direction the wind blows, the pollen gets blown onto another plant Mm -hmm. as opposed to blown out into space. If you just have one or two corn plants in a container, you're going to get hardly no germination. So you've, you've grown, you've grown some nice, Halloween decorations, and that's about it. (laughs) Um, But every other thing that you might be interested in, first of all, I need to point this out because it's really, really wonderful to know. The Mm -hmm. horticulture industry in the past, I'm going to say maybe 10 years, has caught on to the fact that container gardening is mainstream. Mm -hmm. When I first started writing, people thought I was nuts. But now it's really obvious that there are thousands and thousands and thousands of people who want to grow that way. And therefore, the professional horticulturists have developed these wonderful new cultivars where the plants are specifically bred to work well in containers. That means stay tight and compact and don't sprawl all over the place. And just about every kind of vegetable you can think of now has varieties specifically for containers. Mm-hmm. So um, the one reason that I think you might put something in an in-ground garden as opposed to a container is in recognition of the fact that the one challenge for container gardeners that dirt gardeners don't have is they have to pay much closer attention to watering. Mm-hmm. And if your life or your personality doesn't doesn't accommodate allowing you to look at the container every, especially in the summertime, look at it every day to see if it needs water. If if you already know that you can't manage that, then put that plant in the dirt garden or the raised bed where it can draw moisture from all around. You know, that's the whole thing in a big garden. Each bed, it creates a safety zone for absorbing water. Um, That's the point. Yeah. The uh, the really nice, a nice thing to kind of circumvent and avoid this problem altogether is herb. Most of our most common kitchen herbs are genetically disposed to being going in dry, hot soil. So they can tolerate going without water much, much more easily than um, most of our regular vegetables. And besides having a small garden of fresh herbs, you know, right three steps away from the kitchen door is such a treat for people who love to cook. And it's a great way to get started. It is the easiest way to get started with container gardening because they're going to give you the least trouble. Yeah. Oh, that's such good points. Oh, thank you. Um, would, now, would you say, obviously, the watering, 
And I can see that how container gardening, not that they need a lot more water, but they need more frequent maintenance, I guess, of watering. Is there any other um, maintenance or care that is more like between a container garden and a uh, well, yeah, a, a, po a positive difference is that in every other respect, container gardeners are easier. Right, that makes sense. For one thing, you don't have twenty vegetable plant, twenty tomato plants to watch out for. You've only got two. Right. Yeah. The other thing is, um, uh, I'm thinking about this group of people now who don't have any kind of yard space, and they put mm -hmm. their containers on a patio or a balcony or a deck or even the front porch or even the front steps sometimes. Mm -hmm. That means that the garden itself is very near your front door and your back door. So every time you come home or leave home, you're passing right by your garden and you stop to say hi, mm -hmm. which means you're always looking at it and yeah. you see trouble before it gets to be, before it gets out of hand. Yeah. So true. <laughs> which which means that it's, it's you, you don't have any of those problems. Besides which, I strongly recommend that people start their first container with a bag of commercial potting mix. Okay. So you know it doesn't have any weed seeds in it, it doesn't have any soil pathogens, it doesn't, you're starting out clean. Yeah. And mm -hmm. and if you if you just get in the habit of stopping to pet them and <laughs> see, mm -hmm. see how everybody's doing. Yeah. Um, except except for forgetting to water it, you you do need. Here's here's the other side, but this this is not hard to manage. It's just hard to remember. Mm -hmm. All the watering means you're also washing away fertilizer. Mm -hmm. Fertilizer has to be in liquid form for the plant's roots to take it up. So, um, the when when the watering has the effect of sort of diminishing the fertilizer quotient, and so at the time when the plant is really producing is just pumping out the whatever it is that it's growing for you mm. um which unfortunately also usually coincides with the hot you know late summer when it's hottest yeah. you're going to need to be watering a lot and therefore also doing a little bit more frequent fertilizing than you mm. might otherwise do oh it's such good points um i definitely i agree with the yeah having it right outside or somewhere easily accessible. Um, I tell people that as well, because I know we have, we have like our almost a little kitchen garden herbs and stuff. And then we have a bigger garden and that bigger garden gets much more neglected than the front garden, just because it takes more energy to get out there. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, definitely plant it as close to the house as possible. Right. Um, so being a gardener, um, homesteader, whatever, you know, you identify as, as, um, takes a certain amount of discipline. Um, what does that look like for you? And what does your gardening season typically look like? My gardening season? Like how you, do you do like a three season type thing? Like, do you like plan out? Is it really in depth? Okay. I, I do. And that is that is we talked a little bit earlier about the need to um, recognize that your your garden space is limited and you got to mm -hmm. be smart about it. That's another way to be smart yeah. is is to kind of do a little bit of planning ahead. So, first of all, not every if people beginning gardeners don't always recognize this. There are two actual seasons in terms of weather patterns. There's cool season plant plants that only grow in cool season or grow best in cool seasons. 
And then they're the warm seasons plant. But the thing is, we have two cool seasons, unless you live in South Florida. There's the spring and the fall. Um, so the uh, the three-season garden idea is to constantly be thinking a couple of weeks ahead so that you, when some plant is about ready, to, it's about ready to come out, it's reached the end of what it's going to do. You you have something ready to go into that space, or it's already planted, but it's still in very small size. And when the now drooping plant comes out entirely, that opens up some space for this little baby to start flourishing. It's a little bit like I was thinking about this the other day. It's kind of like choreography where you've got a lot of dancers on the stage and at some point the ones in the back are just not doing very much but then they shift and they come to they come forward to the front of the stage and the ones in the front move off or move off the stage entirely there's a constant shifting and moving in and out and if you um some people depending on how they like to think about things actually plot it out on paper if I, I I would feel happy if I just give people this idea that if you can think two or three weeks ahead all the time and be prepared for what's going to happen when this particular plant is at the end of its life, what do you have ready to go into it mm-hmm. so that you never end up with unused space? That's that's the that's the worst thing that container gardeners always need to avoid because you don't have much space to begin with. Don't let any of it sit unused. (laughs) Right. That's a good point. Um, So are you, so do you think that, uh, does it take a lot of discipline for you to um, maintenance your garden, to maintain your garden? Would you say? No. I, 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 I don't think I'm any, different from anybody else in this regard. Once things get established, and I'm talking about your mindset as well as the actual plants, um, because because you don't have to walk all the way to the back 40 to see how they're doing because they're right there. It doesn't take discipline. It takes paying attention, but you're going to want to pay attention. I mean, look what you did. You've accomplished this wonderful thing. Naturally, you're going to want to stop and see how they're doing and pat them on the head for being so beautiful today. (laughs) (laughs) And that's that's just because you're walking up front steps coming home from work. There they are. Yeah. Way to say hi. (laughs) Well, I'm sure that this will encourage and inspire many people to start a container garden this year, Um, knowing that it's like an actual achievable thing um, and it's not something... It, it, it is. It it yeah. used to it used to have this sort of sense of that that is just too far out, too weird. I can't possibly imagine doing that. And now now you go into the garden center. I mean, I used I used to have to read seed catalogs like a detective. You know, mm-hmm. look for keywords that would tell you whether it might actually be a good container plant. Now they have whole sections set, and and some of the really nice development in recent years is. Um, they've put together a, a collection of seeds. Uh, you buy you buy the whole buy like a thing, and they give it a name like whatever. But they're all um, container plants, so you don't even have to think twice. You just order their container <laughs> collection. Nice. Um, and and all the garden centers that I've ever seen now have a great big section with a huge sign in front of the top. 
container vegetables. <laughs> it's easy. It's easy yeah. to find what you need. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's good. Um, so I always ask this question of all of my guests because we focus on self-sufficiency and simple living and kind of le- always learning new skills. So what are some new skills that you are learning right now? How to do this, what what you and I are doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that I'm used to, I, yeah, 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 yeah. I actually had to get um, the younger generation in my family to come help me set up the camera in the Oh, yeah? Stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. Hopefully it wasn't, you know, too too difficult. I mean, we're here and it, it yeah. went fine. No, no difficulties or anything. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so please tell me whatever it is you want to tell me about your book, um, where my audience can find you and purchase. Oh, you know. you, I, I, I'm happy that you asked that because um, HarperCollins, the publisher, mm-hmm. has created a website specifically for the book. Oh, good. I'll and it is, it, it mm-hmm. is um, Container Victory Garden, all smushed together as if it was one word. ContainerVictoryGarden.com. Okay. Container Great. And there's a picture of the book, a little short bio of me, um, some sample pages of the book, places where people can pre-order it. There's some, um, and, and we're always adding new things to it. Like you might find yourself on here someday. <laughs> um, um, also, there's um, we've talked briefly about this idea of a three-season garden with plants yeah. moving in and out. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I, I put together kind of a, a booklet and four or five page pamphlet that outlines it in detail with some beautiful illustrations. Mm-hmm. People can get that, get access to that, can download it from this website. Okay. The, the formal title of the book is The Container Victory Garden. Mm-hmm. And the subtitle, um, which I think is important because I want people to know this. It's a beginner's guide mm-hmm. to growing your own groceries. Yes. And, and it is and a beautiful I, book. It thank is you. Beautiful thank illustrations, you. beautiful. Oh, can I can series. I tell you can, can I tell you about the artist? Oh um, yes, and beautiful artwork too. Yep. Yeah. Hold, hold, do that. Well, you can't see it, but um, yeah. <laughs> I'll definitely have images of it. The cover of the book shows one of the illustrations from the inside. Okay. I, I, I talked a little bit about my expanded view of what kinds of life circumstances people might find themselves mm-hmm. in if they need to yeah. grow their vegetables in containers. Yeah. And the, the young woman that I commissioned to do um, portraits that would be used for the chapter openings, mm-hmm. we... Together, she and I came up with um, scenarios, I'm going to call them, illustrating the, those different sets of circumstances. Mm-hmm. So I mentioned that uh, it's a wonderful way that people who are confined to a wheelchair can mm-hmm. get access to gardening. So we, she, we have this scene that shows a young man who's clearly a military veteran mm-hmm. and has built, somebody has built for them a, a garden, a, container boxes at waist height he is in the in Janice's painting he is he's got his young son on his lap mm-hmm. and he's helping the little boy water the, the vegetable and in the background the mom of the family is standing at the kitchen sink looking through the window and smiling at them mm-hmm. I mean this is so sweet 
He's washing the lettuce that they. Yeah, eat. yeah. It's yeah. beautiful. It really is. Um, and that yeah. that young woman is um, here. She lives here in Oregon, and she never okay. done that kind of artwork for a book before. And there's seven. There's seven of them in all told. Just mm -hmm. so exquisite. I'm so proud of her. Yeah. No, I definitely agree. I was gonna ask you about that because the, the yeah, it's beautiful. And that's her. That's her on the cover. She is oh, herself yeah? as a model. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's, it's a beautiful book, um, definitely. And it is full of knowledge. And I, like I said, I will be re referencing it um, repeatedly, I'm sure, this this uh, summer. So oh, definitely. That makes me feel so good. <laughs> so definitely go check out her book. I will put all of the links in all the show notes and email them all out to, you know, wherever I post this. Um, so thank you so much for joining me. Oh, um, thank today. you. I had, I had, this is wonderful. I love talking to you. Well, I, I definitely was really excited to talk with you about this because I, like I said, it opens up all kinds of opportunities for anyone, regardless of what level of um, gardener they are. So thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Simple Living Made Simple podcast. I have a brand new guide out that is just perfect for this time of year. The Ultimate Fruit and Vegetable Seasonal Guide is now available and you can grab it for free at www.savemyveggies.com. If you are like me, you have thrown away produce that you just never got a chance to use. I used to do this all the time. Especially this time of year, as my harvest starts coming in, it can be difficult to properly store everything and make sure I either preserve it in time or use it up. That's why I created this guide. This guide has everything you need to stop wasting fruits and vegetables that you either grow yourself or purchase at the store. Learn how to properly store 25 plus fruits and vegetables to help them stay fresher longer. This guide also includes a month by month seasonal timeline so you know when to stock up on inexpensive and high quality fruits and vegetables to save you time and money. Again, you can grab that free guide at www.savemyveggies.com. As always, if you have any questions, want gardening advice, or have a topic suggestion for the podcast, please email me at info at wingingitonthehomestead.com.